If you're ready to gain a lifetime of real estate secrets in just minutes a day, then this podcast is for you. For the past 40 years, Dolph DeRoos, the king of commercial real estate, has helped thousands of new and experienced investors turn properties into cash and dreams into reality. If you're ready to make more money, do bigger deals, and reach greater levels of wealth through real estate, then we have exactly what you need on Buy Big with Dolph DeRoos. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of King of Commercial Real Estate with Dolph DeRoos. Thank you so much, Dolph, for coming over to our studios today. Hey, Marjorie, my pleasure to be here, as always. <laughs> so another of the questions that we got is that when we start looking into real estate, we definitely need the money for it. So what are some of the strategies that you used for funding those commercial buildings that you bought? Well, it goes without saying that if you've got $20 million in the bank, it's much easier to buy a $20 million commercial real estate portfolio than if you have nothing in the bank. But I would say if you do have $20 million in the bank, then you shouldn't be looking at acquiring a $20 million portfolio. You should be looking at $50 million or $100 million. So, you know, we always need to use other people's money. And there are so many strategies and methods of acquiring that money that we can only touch on some of them. But one of them that's a bit out of left field that I want to start off with is that whenever you buy a commercial property, in fact, whenever you buy any property, be it residential or commercial, always Always ask the seller, would you consider leaving some money in the deal? Hmm. Now, I know nine times out of 10, they're going to say no. They're going to get mad at you. They're going to say, what do you think I am? I'm selling this building because <laughs> I need the money. I can't go leaving money. And I, if I was leaving money and I'd just keep it and I'd get the benefit of the rental income hmm. and the capital growth. So you'll get that reaction. But remember, we've got to become immune from hearing the word no or are you crazy? I am crazy, by the way. And, you know, <laughs> would you say no to me right now, Marjorie, right now? No. Yeah. You see, it doesn't <laughs> bother me because I don't even know what you're saying no to. I'm immune from being disappointed with the word no. So just get used to it because what's going to happen is maybe one time in 10 or one time in 15 or one time in six, when you say, would you leave some money in? They might say, actually, yes, we were hoping we could leave some in. We like the building. When we sell it, we're going to cash out our $1 million. We don't know what we're going to do with it anyway. We'd put it in the bank. It's going to earn 0.2 of a percent. We want to charge you commercial interest rates. They might charge you 6% or 5 or 4 or 7, right. whatever. It doesn't really matter what that number is. But you'll be surprised how often they do say yes. Oh. And even if it's one time, in 20, that's one building that you may not have been able to buy without seller finance. So it may be called seller finance. It's sometimes called a seller carryback or vendor finance. Doesn't matter what word is used for it. If they leave money in, let them leave money in. I once had it actually, it was an elderly couple in the 80s. They were selling a building, it was 800,000. And I needed some 300,000 of cash. Mm. So on the off chance, I said, is there any way you would consider leaving 300,000 in? And they were a bit old and dottery and their voices were, <laughs> according to the race, that, well, we'd want to think about that overnight so that we can discuss it. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, gosh, I've just put a delay in the whole process oh. and they're never going to say yes. But anyway, we got back together the next day and I won't use their laconic slow voices, but they basically said, listen, we would consider leaving money in, but would it be possible to leave 500 and not 300? Oh. And they didn't know what they were going to do with the money. I was offering them a bigger percentage interest rate on it than they could have gotten anywhere else. They still felt they were associated somehow with the property. If I were to default, they could get the property back. So you never know what they're going to say. So long way of saying the first step, the thing you should always do whenever you buy any real estate is say to the seller, would you consider leaving some money in? And you'll mm -hmm. be surprised how often they say yes. 
that's amazing. So yeah, I feel like it also helps you um, find different ways for funding this um, type of buildings. But how about when you go to the bank and request for a loan? Like, I mean, what other ways for funding those buildings have you found besides just going to a bank? Because that's what pretty much everyone does. Well, the single sentence answer is yes, banks are in the game of taking depositors funds and paying a very low interest rate. And then they want to do something with that money, namely lend it out to property investors, mm -hmm. real estate investors, and they charge a much higher interest rate. Mm -hmm. So they might pay 0.2 or 0.5% interest, sometimes less. In some countries, Mike, you have to pay the bank to oh. put your money on deposit, like in Denmark at the moment. But they'll usually pay you a very low interest rate. And then they lend it out to real estate investors at a much higher interest rate, mm -hmm. and that's how they make their money and more power to them. So it could say, yes, go to the bank. But going to the bank to get money to buy real estate typically is fraught with a perception of difficulty. Mm. In fact, they do these interesting studies, Marjorie, I find it fascinating, where they figure out what are the biggest fears that people have. And you'd think the biggest fear in the world would be the fear of some horrible disease or some untimely death that's just horrible. Right that the biggest fear in the world is the fear of public speaking. Most people are horrified of that. Okay. And the second biggest fear in the world is the fear of going to the bank to ask for money. <laughs> and to me, going to the bank to ask for money, why should that be scary? The worst that can happen is that they say no. And we've discussed this many times now on our podcast, yeah. that, that uh, they're not going to hit you over the head with an umbrella, let alone <laughs> shoot you with a shotgun. They're just going to say no. That's the worst. But, you know, there are things you can do to make your chances of getting the money from the bank not only much greater than they otherwise would be, you can make it almost a certainty. In fact, I run weekend courses on how to apply for mortgage funding such that the bank will almost never say no. Oh, wow. And it has more to do with psychology than the mechanics of it. Because let me stylize for you what happens inside most people's heads anyway when they go to the bank to apply for a mortgage. The perception is that the bank manager is sitting behind this big wooden desk and a big high chair, big imposing chair, and you've got this little camp stall on the <laughs> other side where you can barely peek over the desk. <laughs> and you say, not literally, but this is what most people feel like. You say... Would the bank condescend itself to considering me a mere pauper for a mortgage? I know you're probably going to say no. So in anticipation of, you know, I'm going to start walking towards the door. And it's only if you say stop, come back, that I'll consider that maybe you'll want to do it. But I know you're going to say no. So thank you. It was nice meeting you. And oh, they well. go out the door. They That's, start negative already. They're so negative already. Mm -hmm. And then they have their application on the back of an envelope. Purchase price, how much I want. And I'd like to pay no interest. Hmm. So... Firstly, they're asking the bank manager for money. And whenever you ask anyone for anything, you give them the opportunity to say no. no. Mm -hmm. So I'm not ever going to go to a bank to ask for a mortgage. In fact, when you think about it, who is the mortgagee and who is the mortgagor? Well, let's take a step back. Who's the lessee and who's the lessor? Everyone knows that the lessor is the landlord. That's the person who writes out the lease and who owns mm -hmm. the property. And the lessee is the tenant. So that makes sense. Let's then talk again about who is the mortgagee and who's the mortgagor. Well, we go to the bank to get a mortgage, so we must be getting the mortgage, so we're the mortgagee, and the bank must give us the mortgage, so they're the mortgagor. Makes sense, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah it makes sense. But it's actually inaccurate. Ooh. And we have to 
twist it around to understand what's really happening. Here's what's happening when we go and get a mortgage. Mm -hmm. We go to the bank and say, Mr. Bank Manager, I want to buy this commercial building, but I don't have the money to buy it. Mm -hmm. And you, fortunately for me, don't want to buy it, but you do have the money to buy it. Mm -hmm. So if you will lend me the money to enable me to buy it in my name, I will give you a promise that I will pay interest on that money. And at some stage in the future, I'll pay the principal back. That's right. So the transaction is the bank gives you the money and you give the bank this promise that you're going to pay it back. That mm -hmm. promise is called the mortgage. You give the bank the mortgage and they give you the money. That makes mm -hmm. us, the investor, the real estate investor, the mm -hmm. mortgagor, and the bank who receives that promise the in return for which they give the money, they're the mortgagee. Mm -hmm. So the word foreclosure is a uniquely North American term. In other parts of the world, it's either called a redemption sale, but in, uh, down under, it's called a mortgagee sale. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's called a the bank as mortgagee is doing a sale. It's a bank mortgagee sale. In other mm -hmm. words, the bank is the mortgagee. So when you think about it, and this is the whole point, we are the mortgagors, the bank is the mortgagee. We're not asking for a mortgage. Mm -hmm. We're offering a mortgage. We're giving the opportunity to the bank to have yes, a mortgage. exactly. That's a really good way to see it. And I feel like most people, when they are looking for the financing for a commercial building, they just submit themselves to the bank instead of thinking, no, I'm actually giving them a great opportunity of investment. Of investing. So mm -hmm. I've got this document, which I've come up with. We call it a proposal for finance. Ooh. And the opening sentence is literally a mortgage of $500,000 mm -hmm. is offered on a property located oh, wow. at such and such an address. Mm -hmm. So we're offering a mortgage. We're not asking for one. It changes the dynamics. It's a psychological thing, but it mm -hmm. changes the A mortgage is offered of $500,000 to be secured against a property located at Section Zero. So we're offering the mortgage. We're mm -hmm. offering security or collateral to secure the loan That's right. right, of that very property that we're buying. And there's a saying that when you offer something to someone often enough, eventually they'll offer you something back. So right. we're offering you a mortgage. We're offering you a chance to invest. We're offering you collateral, and all we're asking in return is money, which you've got a surplus of anyway, and you're trying to get rid of it so that you earn some interest on it. <laughs> That's right. And I feel like it also takes away that fear that people have of going to a bank. When you view it on a different way, that you are the one giving the opportunity to the bank, all the fear is gone. That's, That's what I so feel true. Like. That's so true. And then I'll often get calls from clients or people who say, well, I did everything you said, and I went to my bank, and they turned me down. <laughs> and I say, okay. What did the other bank say? And they say, what do you mean? I said, well, you went to your bank. They say, yeah, I've been going to that bank for 15 years. I said, okay. And they turned you down. They said, yeah. I said, so what did the other bank say? And they said, but I've been with this bank for 15 years. And I'll say, well, it seems to me that you're offering your bank more loyalty than they're offering you. That's right. Go to another bank. And for many people, they feel bad about doing this. So I, t I don't have a stack of documents here, but what I do when I apply for a mortgage is I'll print five or six or 10 copies of this proposal for finance, and then I'll have a stack. And when I go to one bank, I'll have the whole stack with me. And I'll pull one out and I'll say, oh, here's your proposal for finance. And then I'll pretend to look and I say, oh, excuse me, that's for the other bank across the road. And I no, literally, I put it back and then I take out this other one. There's yours. Oh, that's amazing. So now the bank manager's thinking, holy smoke, he's not asking for money. He is offering me a mortgage and he's going to 10 other banks. I'd better be the one getting this client. That's what they may think. Marjorie, as true as I'm sitting here, I've had one bank manager say to me, Dolph, 
If I give you a commitment, a verbal commitment right now to fund this property, will you give me a verbal commitment not to go to the other <laughs> banks? Do you see how the tables have turned? That's right. Will this work every single time? Maybe no, not. of course not. Yeah. But it's all balance of probabilities. Mm -hmm. And it only needs to work once a year for you to get one property that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise. You've got to change your psychology. I hope the bank will give me the money. Mm -mm. You don't care where the money comes from. Once the money's bought the property, it doesn't matter whether it came from bank A or B or C or D, or from a financial institution, or from your second cousin twice removed who had surplus. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter though. It's just a matter of getting the property in your name. That's right. And then the bigger the mortgage, the better off you are, because let's say we buy a property for a million dollars, and let's say, imagine, we had a million dollar mortgage. Mm -hmm. Then through time, the number of dollars required to describe the value of that building is through inflation. It will go from one million to two million. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really mean, Marjorie, this is where people get confused. It doesn't mean that the building has doubled in value, mm -hmm. because if we sell that building for $2 million, what we can buy with that $2 million will be the same as what you could have bought with $1 million before. Mm -hmm. What inflation really means is not that things go up in value, but that money is devalued. Money is worth less. So it now mm -hmm. takes 2 million units of currency, here it happens to be dollars, but 2 million units of currency to describe what that building is worth compared with when we bought it. Mm -hmm. However, if we borrowed the million dollars to buy it and it goes up to $2 million and we sell it, we still have the million to pay off. Let's say we were interest mm -hmm. only. So we pay. we've now got a million dollars of equity. We've got a million dollars cash. That's right. Now you could argue, well, it's only worth half as much because it, money halved in value in there, but it's still half a million of value that you didn't have before. That's right. So inflation hurts everyone except for real estate investors. I love that layer of <laughs> reality to it. That's true. So the trick is how do we get money? Number one, always ask for seller finance. Whenever you buy a property, just say, hey, would you consider leaving some money? And mm -hmm. chances are they'll say no. But if one time in five or one time in 50, they say yes, that's a bonus. Take that yes. Right. Number mm -hmm. two, Go to the most conventional place to borrow money to buy real estate, which is the bank. But instead of asking, instead of pleading, instead of begging them for money, please condescend the bank. I think I'll probably be able to pay it back. Mm -mm. No, you offer them a mortgage. I don't care where the money comes from. You're closer to my home than the other bank, so I'll see you first, but it's first up, best dressed. If you have that attitude, you'll be surprised how much they vie and fight to get your business. <laughs> Because here's another funny thing about borrowing. Well, now mm -hmm. that we're talking about it, when you owe the bank $5 million, you've got a problem. Mm. But when you owe the bank $50 million, they've got a problem. Oh, wow. And when you owe the bank $50 million, they tend to call you, Marjorie, and they say to you things like, hey, how would you like to go to lunch this week? Oh, now, wow. you like going to lunch. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> but you're smart and you say, hang on a minute, we went to lunch last week and mm. they paid. So now they probably want me to pay. Mm -hmm. And before you can say anything, they say, it's on us, of course, as oh. usual. Why, when you owe the bank $50 million, do they take you to lunch two weeks in a row and pay for it? That's kind of interesting. Uh, tell us. And the answer is not to make sure that you're still alive because they're <laughs> worried about their 50 million. They're not even worried whether you're alive or not, because even if you were to die that day, horrible thought, mm. but even if 
then they've got the collateral of the buildings that were bought with the $50 million loan. Mm. So they could force a sale and get their $50 million back, or they could just let whoever you bequeath the property to mm -hmm. keep on paying the mortgage. Mm -hmm. So that's not their concern. No, the reason why they invite you to lunch when you owe them $50 million is they've just had a new lump of cash come through and they mm -hmm. want to see whether you want any of it. Oh, well, why, Marjorie, do they want to give you even more money, even when you already owe them $50 million, compared with some stranger on the street that they've never met? Well, I feel like it's because they already know that you're serious about investing and they want to do more business with you. Exactly. For one reason, they know that you always do what every month? You always pay. You always pay. So mm -hmm. whatever it takes, make sure you pay the mortgage mm -hmm. every month. The principal and interest, pay it every month. When you have that as a track record and they get more money, they'll want to give more to you. You've proven to them that you pay them back. That's, That's the game right. they play. They lend out money and collect interest on it. Mm -hmm. And they insist on getting it back. They want to be paid every month. And then at the end of a 30-year loan, if that's what it is, or a 10-year loan with a balloon, but at the end of the term, when all the money's paid back, they give you a call and they say the most bizarre thing. Do you want more? <laughs> yeah, they say, that was fun, wasn't it? Do you want to do it again? <laughs> it's like, why did you want to back? Because I'd rather not pay principal back at all. I'd mm -hmm. rather pay interest on it mm -hmm. and never pay it back. <laughs> so tell us, what are you mentioned that that's the conventional way for funding a building, which is the bank. What are some unconventional ways that you have used? Have you used any partnerships before? Oh, of course. Okay. So um, some less conventional ways, you know, the most conventional one is you have the cash down payment or deposit, mm -hmm. and then you get the rest of the money uh, in the form of a mortgage from a, a bank. But you could partner with people. You could say, listen, I've got this property here. I am willing to pay 6% interest to a bank, mm -hmm. but then I've got this commitment. I want to do some development. It's going to be some time before I get cash flow. If you're willing to put up the, whatever the number is, half a million dollars, I'll give you 40% of the equity or whatever mm -hmm. is fair for both parties. And by the way, it has to be fair mm -hmm. because if you're not fair, then eventually word will get out or they'll realize it and there'll be bitterness and that'll end in tears and you won't do, do a deal again together. Mm -hmm. So just make sure everything you do is fair. Um, will you be taken advantage of every now and then? Yes, but it's better to find out who those people are and you choose not to work with them anymore mm -hmm. than to, you know, just not do the deal in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, but you soon find out who's reliable. So you can do that. You can run ads in online or in newspapers or whatever saying investment partner sort. It can be with people that you're not that familiar with. You've got to make sure you conform to all the financial regulations. They right. vary around the country, but they're very strict. Generally, you can't solicit funds from people you don't know mm -hmm. unless you've got a formal PPM or document that's met all the regulatory requirements. Mm -hmm. Usually it's the SEC, but in some countries it's ASIC or the MAS or whatever it's called. Make mm -hmm. sure you conform because the last thing you want to do is to run foul of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And uh, when you go about partnerships for funding uh, a deal, how do you figure out the percentage that each party is going to get? You know, usually it's based on the percentage of the cash portion that mm -hmm. they put in. So let's say we're buying a $5 million building and we're going to get a $4 million loan mm -hmm. from somewhere. But we've got three people involved. I'm making up the numbers. One puts in $100,000, one puts in $300,000, that's four, and one puts in $600,000 then the percentage ownership will be 10% to the 100,000 person, 30% mm -hmm. to the 300 and whatever's left, 60% to the last person. Because that's the proportion of cash that's gone And at gone the same in. time, it's fair. Because like from then on, they're going to be like, oh, this person actually did the, the partition of the income or the, or the profits in a really proportionate way of right. what we invested. So I feel like it also gives you a really good track record for people to keep investing with you. Right. 
Now, sometimes whoever puts the deal together wants a, a share for the effort that's mm -hmm. gone into that, or they've already expended mm -hmm. money, a lot of money and time to get the deal to that point. Um, so that varies. That's where each deal runs on its own merits. But the borrowed money, you also have to allow for the fact that if a loan is non-recourse, meaning if someone has to guarantee it, that has to be rewarded in some way too. Because if there is a guarantor, they take on personal liability. Because if for whatever reason, the rent isn't paid, the mortgage isn't mm -hmm. paid, they come knocking on the door of the person with the personal guarantee. That's right. Well, thank you so much again for explaining us all of those different ways for funding our investments. Because I feel like it opened our eyes to look for different ways. Because you can do it through the bank. That's totally fine. You can also do it with a partnership. You can even do it um, by let's say, asking your family or asking your friends and going on. Nothing wrong with, with that. Them. Yeah, mm -hmm. put it out there. You might have a rich uncle. Or maybe he's got no cash, but he mm -hmm. owns that farm that doesn't generate any money, but it's worth a million dollars. And you oh, say, wow. listen, if you secure a mortgage against the farm mm -hmm. for half a million and we put it into this deal, you get whatever percentage of the deal. Mm -hmm. It may be something he wants. The fact that his farm isn't generating any income means it's a dead asset to him. That's right. So to all our audience that are listening to us about finding uh, different ways to finance your commercial buildings, you can do it. Just take a leap of faith and try any of these methods that we have covered today. Thank you so much, Dolph, again for dropping those gold nuggets to us. Thank My you. pleasure as always. Thank you. <laughs> and stay tuned for our next episode.